Hey, thank you all for coming. It's awesome. Um, thank you, Gary. Gary and I have been friends for, I don't know how long now, Gary. It's been a long time, seems like. Uh, Gary was coaching high school baseball when I played. Um, so we were competitors then. Uh, we worked together, Gary coaching our junior high baseball team at the high school where I work for four years, I think. Then we coached together on the same staff for another four, I think. Um, Gary, you're blessed with huge help. Okay, I don't know if you know that now. A lot of times um, we miss our blessings until after the fact. So, you know, he's, he's a good guy. There's not many people who have full-time jobs who are going to come around and hang, hang out with a bunch of baseball guys all day and give everything they can. Um, so... Make sure that you tell your coaches thank you and that you appreciate them even when they're all over you. I know it's hard sometimes, okay? Uh, when the last out happens of your last game, then you, you realize how good you had it immediately. At least I did. And then you look forward, man, y'all wish I could get back out there one more time. The alumni game in the fall, some of you guys are over there laughing at us old guys, pulling muscles and taking hacks and all that stuff, but you'll be there one of these days. It's fun, okay? Um, but tonight we're going to talk about Jesus, but not just Jesus, we're going to talk about baseball, but we're going to bring Jesus into it. And so if you see the slide, we're going to talk about bigger than baseball. And I know a couple of weeks ago you all had a good experience, um, I guess a week, week and a half or so ago, I saw a picture of your entire team praying with the opposing team. I had no idea why that was happening, okay, at the time, but I saw that and I thought, that's really cool, you know. And then Gary told me a little bit more about the story on Saturday, we watched your batting practice and... You know, life, um, life is crazy. Some of you all have probably experienced that in your personal lives at home. I don't know, I don't know most of you all, don't know very many of you all, but I know that um, you wouldn't be here. How many of you all are 19? Anybody 19? Any guys, anybody 18? 20? 21? 22? 23? Okay, that's... I had a buddy who pitched at Marshall, and he was 24 when he finished his career. 23. <laughs> so he finished his career at 24, and he's like, man, I was like grandpa on the team, you know? Um, so from 18 to 22, 23, you all probably had experiences in your life um, that are much different than mine, but they're, they can be game changers too. So we're going to talk today about how things can be bigger than baseball. Uh, I told Gary, I've got about an hour and a half. That's it, okay? So if you can hang with me for about, I'm kidding. <laughs> We'll try to keep it under an hour. Um, if you need a bathroom, it's out there. Uh, we're <laughs> I'm really not kidding on that one, though. How many of you all those Tuesday, Thursday classes, you just love them? One <laughs> You're going to love it, man. Everybody else is, like, checked out already. I'm not going to go an hour, I promise. Uh, let's talk a little bit about baseball. Baseball traditions, first off, if you've played the game long enough, you know that these things are trademarks. They're staples in the game. Hot dog, it's the seventh inning stretch, Cracker Jack, Sweet Care. Anybody a Red Sox fan in here? Got any Red Sox fan? Okay, two, three, two and a half, kind of. Yeah, he's going with three now. All right, so uh, Fenway Park, Sweet Caroline, is, I, I think it's every game, right? Is that right? Okay. Uh, bring your glove to a game when you're little. How many of y'all went to the game and brought a glove? Okay, some of y'all are like, I'm barehanding that. I don't care who hits it, you know. Uh, and then fireworks. Home runs now are like associated with fireworks. Um, we need to get Gary to work on some fireworks show for us over there. Uh, these are baseball player traditions. These are ones that 
a lot of people outside the game don't really understand why this stuff's important to us baseball weirdos, right? Now, look, you see, I, I got like my old man shoes on because I got flat feet and they hurt most of the time. <laughs> I'm just 35, but it gets on you quick, okay? Uh, but then, like, you see my hair, okay? Some of y'all probably noticed it. Uh, I teach eighth grade. The kids were like, you won't get a mullet. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I will. So three years ago, I just went and came back to school on Monday. And they're like, oh, you did that. You look like an idiot, but you did that. I was like, I told you guys, I don't care. So that's, I mean, but we're weird people, right? Yeah, like, hey, feedback is cool. You can talk all you want to. It's really cool. I see a lot of different hairstyles. I see the facial hair that some of you all got, Okay. Um, this is what it's all about. Baseball guys are different breeds, okay? In basketball, you kind of got to look the same. Football, nobody really knows what you look like because you're wearing a helmet. Most of the time, that's good. Uh, hockey guys don't have teeth. You can identify those. But baseball guys, we're identifiable by that awkward look that we give other people, okay? So we're different. These are some of our traditions. We know these, like the hit and run. How many, how many of you guys like to hit and run? Our leadoff guy hated it. Like, he hated it. And when he got a pitch and I took off, he was mad at me. He's like, come on, man, why are you doing it? I'm like, I didn't do anything to you. But when it was reversed, he really hated me. When I was the guy at the plate and he got a good jump and I got a fastball, I was a, I was a first pitch fastball guy. I don't know if anybody else in here is like that or not, but if you're going to throw me one, an OO count, and you're coming with a fastball, I'm going to hit that thing and get out of here. And he got so mad at me if I'd foul one off, and he'd be yelling at me and then talking trash to the other team. He was a big trash talker, by the way. Um, going oppo, how many guys like to go oppo? That's what, it's, that's what it's about. If you want to add about 50 points to your average at your level, go oppo. And then come talk to me and tell me if it worked. It's legit. Uh, up and in, you got to send a message. I found out that Kevin sent a message the other night, right? Yeah? That's good. That's what I like to hear. We had a guy go down and, and tag a guy at second base and Lindsey Wilson. Okay, I know that's a little testy area for you all right now and it was for me at the time too they came in high leg and I'm not talking with cleats up I mean he was up in the air so our second baseman's pants are torn up here okay our pitcher at the time was a nut I mean like he had a deer tattooed on his shoulder okay it gets better he had bloody hooves leading up to the deer and it was on his throwing arm so he would walk he was six foot six okay Weighed, I don't know, 185 pounds, and he was just as crazy as he looked. He would look at you and just throw it up there, and then he'd go back to the mound. And we're like, something's going to happen when McCormick throws that up. So he goes in high leg. McCormick looks at Rudy. Okay, yeah. And you know the baseball nicknames, too. So he looks at Rudy, throws one up, and Rudy's like, all right, give it to him. So McCormick hit 94 in Florida on the mound at six foot six. okay? Now, you didn't know where it was going to go. One pitch is in the strike zone. One pitch is in the... In the um, on, the, on, the, on the screen behind home plate. Like, you really had no clue where it was going to go. So he pulls back, and I'm like, uh-oh. So McCormick comes here. He turns it loose and just starts walking. Because we'd gotten the warning. You know the warning you get. The umpire's like, none of that around here. You know, like, you don't play this game stuff. So we got the warning. So McCormick throws him and just walks off. And by the time he gets tossed, he's almost to the foul line. And I'm like, as soon as he throws, I'm like, where's McCormick going? And the umpire's like, you're out of You're out of here. And he was like, I don't know, you know. And then they started to clear the benches, and he was like, okay. So if he hadn't done that, McCormick was the guy that's like Amir Garrett for the Reds. He would go after everybody and not care about if anybody came with him or not. So it's probably a good thing that he went. Okay, so that's McCormick. You know, he liked to go up and in if you had to do it. Most of the time he didn't hit the guy, though. 
Because whatever he was trying to hit, he usually missed. But, you know, he went for it. Uh, walk-up music. Some of y'all, the best thing you look forward to all fall is like, what walk-up song am I going to use this year? Anybody use Led Zeppelin, Cashmere by Led? Okay, you're the man, right? Throw some other ones out there that you do now. Those are good ones. I like those. Oh, yeah. I had a friend in Juco. They actually played Barbie Girl for him. <laughs> he was like 6'4", though, and he hit one about 450. And when he walked across, when he came across home plate, we tried to hurt him all the time. We hit him in the head. He'd take his helmet off. He's like, I hate that song. <laughs> but he had been on steroids for a while. Charlie, what's your walk-up song? Okay. <laughs> I like it. Peyton Dove, where are you? What's yours? <laughs> See, we're weird people. That's awesome, though. Even better. What's yours? No? Okay. I got you. I'm with you. Uh, throw the ball around. We strike a guy out. We throw it down. Okay, that's... We, we don't... Do we not strike people out? We don't throw it around. We don't... Both? Man, we got some issues with pitchers and fielders now. Hey, listen, when y'all need to fight, make sure that, like, if you've got a drink, move it. So we don't, you know, we got carpet and we got to clean that stuff, blood and all that cool stuff. So coach doesn't let you throw it around? Did you throw it over somebody's head like a million times? Okay. Uh, okay. That's you? <laughs> hey, I think I remember. I think I was there in the fall one day when y'all were working on that. I think I do remember that now. Oh. Hey, how many of you pitchers step over the line every time you walk over the line? Does anybody step on the line? Nobody? You do? Like, do you do it on purpose, though? Okay, so I had a buddy in JUCO. Also, JUCO's, did anybody go to JUCO in here? I talked to somebody that went to JUCO. Where, I don't know where you went. Somewhere. I know. I, I kept looking, thinking it might have been you, but it wasn't. And I was like, no, nope, still not. No, he's not. No, I had a guy at JUCO. You know how JUCO guys are. We're either, well, we're not getting into that, but he was really weird. He stepped on the line every time. He's like, I'm not superstitious. And he goes, step on the line and dig it. And we're like... Ben, every time you walk out to the mound, you step on the line. He's like, because I'm not superstitious. And we're like, Ben, you are superstitious because you step on the line every time. He's like, no, I'm not. Watch this. And I'll step on it. And I'm like, Ben, come on, man. Like, you are. He's like, no, watch this today. I won't do it. And he got hit real hard that day. So from then on, you know, it really like. So superstition, if you don't step on the line. Rally caps. I don't know if rally caps are still a big thing. Those are. I don't know, they're kind of fun as you get older, but at the same time, it's kind of like, are people, yeah, like, are they looking at me? <laughs> Is that what you go with? <laughs> okay. Uh, walk-off wins. What are you doing walk-off wins? You celebrate? Have you seen the guy in the show that pours the Gatorade on himself? <laughs> Have you not seen that? Uh, I think he just signed with the White Sox. He does. Every time they have a walk-off win, he gets the whole jug of Gatorade and runs out, and he'll just dump it on himself. Like, I thought it was great. I loved it. I'm weird, but I love stuff like that. Like, he ran right in front of the guy, getting ready to cross home plate, just dumped it on himself and threw the jug, and he you know, does his own thing. You have to Google him. I think he plays for the White Sox now. All right, so my name's Adam. I played at Paintsville High School, which is about 40 minutes down the road. Then I played at St. Catherine, which was a JUCO that I played at. Uh, it does not exist anymore. They actually closed the entire college, Okay. Um, if you know Midway University now, some of you may know Midway. Coach Bramlett that's at Midway was at St. Catharines. So when he started the program at Midway, he had just left St. Catharines. So, I mean, maybe there's a little connection there or not. I don't know. And then I finished at Pikeville College at the time, which is U Pike now. 
Um, we're going to talk about bigger than baseball. We talked about traditions. One thing that you don't do is when somebody's got a no-no or a perfect game, what do you do? You don't say anything. And if you do, then somebody's like really going to hurt you. Like that's uncharted territory. So those are other traditions that we've got. Um, a little bit about me. So my name's Adam. I've been a high school, no, junior high history teacher for 13 years now. Okay, so I started, so I finished in 2007 was my last season. I graduated in the winter of 2007 and started teaching in January 2008. So I've been at the same place for 13 years. Um, and I firmly believe that God has a plan for every single person that he puts on this earth. Now, I think there's a lot of things that we can do to disrupt that, but I think everybody's got a plan. And that's become more and more evident to me as I've gotten older that I can like, kind of look back and see, wow, God's had a huge hand in that. I went to three colleges in three semesters. Like, my parents are over here, and my mom's shaking her head. So they come to church with us. This is cool. Um, the third one, I called her when I came to Pikeville College on my visit. Ironically, it was on my birthday. So I'm up here, and she's like, I'm not going. And I was like, okay. So if any of y'all are, like, real close with your parents, and they're just like, no. Have they ever, like, just cut you off? Like, no, I'm done with you. Anybody been in that boat? Okay. Well, you guys are good people. This is awesome. Sunday morning, 1030, we had breakfast, 11... We need volunteer. I'm kidding. So she was like, I, you just go today. So I looked at the paperwork, and Johnny Lamaster was my coach. He's like, well, here's what we've got to offer you. And so I looked it all through, and I'm not very mathematically, like, intelligent or financially stuff, and I was just like, this looks good. And at the bottom, it had a zero. Like, I didn't know anything. And so I called home, and I'm like, Mom, it, it says I'm not going to owe anything. And she's like, do whatever you want. And I'm like, that's not cool. You know, I just turned 20. You know, I didn't want to, like, do whatever I wanted. I want my parents to be like, here, you know, here's some help. And I'm like, oh, God, this is a big decision. Because she basically, they basically told me, like, the next time you move to a new school, you're on your own. Like, financially, you're going to get a job and all stuff. I was like, I don't want to get a job, you know. I don't want to do any of that stuff. Um, and so I looked at it, and I called, and then I looked at it again, and I called, and I looked at it again. And I was like, all right, let's sign this thing. So I signed it. And from then, I finally kind of submitted to God, like, I don't know what I'm doing Will you help me out? And here we are. Uh, that was in 04. 16 years later, I'm here, still in the same town. Um, now we're getting to do youth ministry. We've got an eight-year-old son. My wife, Amber's back here. We've been married 10 and a half years now. Uh, we have a home that, you know, God's provided us with. And I'm just like, wow. You know, it was bigger than that to me. Some of those some experience. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 14 years old. If you don't know what that is, basically um, your pancreas quits secreting insulin cells, which means you have to wear like either an insulin pump or take insulin shots. How many did we say that I took yesterday? We, we did the math. 2,500? So in my life, I wear an insulin pump. It's on my leg right now. You can kind of see it sticking out. And I also have a device here that tells me what my blood sugar is every five minutes, and it shows up on my phone, which is cool too. Since I was 14, I've changed an insulin pump 2,570 sometimes. So basically, that's a shot every time. You just put it on and injects. And that was like after six months. Before that, I did up to six shots a day. So I don't know how many shots I did in six months. We woke up at 3 a.m., my parents did, every morning from age 14 to like when I went to college to check my blood sugar and make sure I was cool. That was an experience that was supposed to derail me. 
like I was supposed to be in a coma. I was supposed to be in bad shape. I walked into the hospital, and I sat down on a, on a bed, and they did all this stuff, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. I walked out five days later, and I had to change my whole life. This is something that it never goes away. It's 24-7, 365. No matter what happens, no matter how good I feel, how bad I feel, how tired I am, how frustrated I am, how much I want it to go away, it's still here. Like it doesn't quit. But I realized that God gives you stuff so you can utilize it to help other people. I don't know. In our youth ministry upstairs, we got some kids here tonight, but we have four kids with type 1 diabetes in our youth ministry. To me, there's no coincidence between those two because I've experienced it. I've got kids that come through my classroom all the time that are type 1 diabetics. I'm like, hey, you can do it. It doesn't stop you from anything. Like, no matter what you want to do, you can accomplish it. So let me tell you a little bit about what we accomplished. So we're, you know, baseball is a brotherhood, right? You're in the dorm with people. You're with them seven days a week. You're with them to the point where you know them better than your own family. Sometimes you get tired of each other. You fight, and then later on, you're like, all right, we're cool again. We're not, but I mean, like, most of the time you get cool again, right? We played two really crazy games against Lambeth University in the Mid-South Conference Tournament while I was at Pikeville College. One of them was 22 innings. Today, you can Google it. It's, the, it's, the, it's tied for the longest game in NAIA history. Eight to five in 22 innings. All right, so we weren't swinging the sticks very well, obviously. Okay, our shortstop, I mean, he, I don't know, he shouldn't have been playing short, but coach put him there. Uh, we were supposed to have a guy come in at the break. He didn't come in. So our second baseman slid over to short. He kicks one around the first inning. Our starting pitcher throws 15 innings. We weren't ignorant, I promise you. He was a sixth-year senior. He'd had elbow surgery, Tommy John. He'd had his knee messed up and fixed. Monday morning, he, was, he had an accounting job, and he was starting Monday morning. This was like Thursday. So we come out to the ninth inning, and the coach is like, hey, good game, Rudy. He's like, what are you talking about? And I was never that outspoken guy. I was always like, yes, sir, no, sir, whatever coach says is best. Rudy was like, no. He's like, what do you mean, no? He's thrown nine. He said, you did a great job. He said, no, I'm not finished. And I was like, that's awesome. So he goes out for 10. I'm like, he's like, Rudy, give me a good job. No, I'm not done. He said, coach, I'll tell you when I'm finished. Coach is like, you just let me know, brother. So I'm like, okay. So he goes out 11, walks right, didn't even look at him. 12, no eye contact. 13, I mean, four, he comes out for 15. He's like, that's all I've got. And I was like, that's it? You can't go another one. You just went 15 innings. 198 pitches, and most of them he was spinning it because he was just about done. I mean, his, his arm was gas. I mean, 198 pitches. Think about that. Like, some guys, three starts now are 198 pitches. He threw it in one game. I was like, oh, my gosh. This guy's crazy. So 22 innings later, over five hours, I don't know what it was, in about inning 16, my blood sugar bottoms out, and I'm just feeling, I'm standing, I'm like, oh, my, this is not good. And the umpire comes over to our third baseman, Travis Hall, who was a super guy. Travis is like, Tom, I got you back. And I was like, thanks, man. Because at that point, I was really kind of out of it. If you know anybody that's diabetic and their blood sugar's bottom, you kind of know, really know much about what's going on. So Travis is like, I got you. So he goes to the umpire, like, tells him the story. The umpire's like, oh, man, you got all the time you need. So I'm over at the foul line, right at the first baseline, like loading candy, Gatorades, everything you think of, I'll just pump myself full of it. Because I didn't want anybody else to have to hold the game. We're in like inning 16, you know? And so they're like, all right, you ready to go? So we're ready to go. So we finished the game, 22 innings, five hours and 48 minutes or something later, we get beat eight to five. I was like, man, that was awful. You know, when I kicked that ball around in the first inning, I really messed it up for our team. (laughs) 
I, I was the shortstop. Yeah, that's me. Um, Rudy and I have been friends since the minute I walked on campus. Him and Travis Hall were like my big brothers on campus. Rudy and I have known each other now for 16 years. Every time I see him, he calls me perm because my hair is curly, and he swears I get a perm, which I don't. And two, he says, perm, if you didn't kick that ball around the first inning, I would have had to, I'd shut him out in nine. I'm like, shut up. I'm 35 now. Just let me live that one. He's like, you know that I'm going to say it every single time I see him. All right. Next season, Mid-South Conference Tournament, opening game. We're playing. No, no, no. It's the second game. I'm sorry. We lost the first one. Second game, we're playing Lambeth again. Okay? I never chewed tobacco. Some of you guys chew tobacco. That's your thing. That's cool. I never did. I was always afraid I'd puke. I didn't want to puke. And so before the game, they're like, AC, you like, if we lose today, you got to take a chew after the game. I'm like, guys, shut up. It's just like, chill out. You know, like, I'm not going to do that. And they're like, no, for real. You got to do it. So back and forth. You know how it goes. You just hag somebody. Finally, it's like, all right, that's it. Okay, if we lose today, by the tournament, I will. I'm like, I'll chew. And they're like, oh, man, what, what kind are you going to chew? I'm like, I don't even know. What's the worst one? And they're like, Copenhagen. I was like, bingo. And they're like, no way, you won't. I said, like, I swear I will. I'll sit right on the curb of the hotel. We're in Frankfurt, driving over to Georgetown every day for the tournament. So I'll sit right on the curb of this hotel, and I'll take a dip as big as you want me to put in my mouth, and I will puke my guts up all over this parking lot. And they're like, deal. And I'm like, what are you guys excited about? <laughs> so when I'm running in from left field, I was playing left that season. When I'm running in from left field. <laughs> It was 14, oh no, it was 16 to 6, and we were getting beat. <laughs> you bullpen guys are real funny, because if this was the can of tobacco, every guy in the pen was going, waving them at me, I'm like, this is not going to be good. It's bigger than baseball, sometimes God has a plan, I've never chewed in my life, because we scored 16 runs in one inning. With two outs. And we won the game 2016. I mean, I swear, like, it's a true story. I can't tell you. Like, that was all. And I was like, man, that's God. Sometimes God gives you signs that are subtle. And sometimes he's like, all right, let's drop 16 in this inning with two outs. And let's, t- let's save this guy. I was like, thank you, God. It was cool. It was really cool. Those things don't go away. When you guys quit playing, those memories don't go away. Like the memories that you're making with your teammates now, they don't go away. I don't care how good or bad they are. You remember them all. And you become brothers. And it becomes bigger than baseball. Travis Hall that I told you about, two years after we quit, no, a year after we quit playing, he, he died in, a car, in an automobile accident. It's probably the worst thing I remember experiencing. And I've lost people in my family. And I've lost loved ones. But that tragic shock was killer. I can tell you right where I was. I remember the phone call, who it came from. I remember being there. It was awful. It was the worst thing ever. It was literally a family member because of the time we had invested in each other and how many times he put his arm around me and said, man, you got this one. Make the next play. It's a brotherhood. It's bigger than baseball. That day it was bigger than baseball. Brian, his brother, threw out the first pitch at the alumni game this fall. You may remember that. His family was there. We're still close. Brian and I talk quite a bit. Okay, it's bigger than baseball. We're going to talk about that, but we're also going to include God in a little bit more. But let's look at this. Baseball is a game where you fail more than you are successful, right? You guys know that. You're playing at the level. Look at Babe Ruth, one of the better hitters ever. I mean, I know it was a different era. 714 home runs and 1,330 strikeouts. Struck out almost twice as much as he hit home runs, okay? Mike Trout, 
arguably today's best player. Okay, everybody's got their opinion. We're not going to get into that. But look at this, 285 home runs, but 1,118 strikeouts. And that's Mike Trout. Man, he's good, you know. Clayton Kershaw, let's go to you pitcher. So I don't want to leave you guys out and get you mad. Seven-tenths of a home run every game. Now, you can't have seven-tenths of a home run, but you know what I'm saying. Like, he gives up almost a home run every single game he goes out. Okay, but look at the other numbers. He has lost about, he loses about once every four decisions. Now, some of the people here don't know a whole lot about baseball. You don't get a win or a loss every time you go out. So every four decisions he gets, he loses one. Okay, this is a tough game to play. This is one of the hardest ones. If you remember this play, anybody a Tigers fan? Yeah, you probably remember this. Yeah, 26 consecutive outs to start the game. Play it for, You were at the game? Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. I didn't know that. The 27th out was an out, and he messed up the call, right? Jim Joyce. He was one of the better umpires, really, too. Um, Jim Joyce messed it up. He threw a one-hitter that day. Okay, here's a little bit of perspective about this. I don't know Jim Joyce and his faith, but the way that he talked and the way Galarraga talked after the game, it tells you a lot about their character, which tells me that some level they have some amount of faith. Because Jim Joyce said this, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take whatever you can give me. I'll handle it like a man, and I'll do the best I can. He admitted that he messed up, okay? Galarraga, in an, also in an interview the same night or the next day, said, I say it many times, nobody's perfect. Everybody makes a mistake. I'm sure you don't want to make that call. You see that guy last night, he feels really bad. He don't even change. The other umpire shower, eat. He was sitting in the seat and saying, I'm so sorry. Those are, those are examples, a lot about what Jesus Christ does for us in our lives. First of all, we own up to our mistakes and we admit it. But he gives us forgiveness and grace. And that's such a cool story that I don't know that I could have done that if I was going to throw a perfect game, the 24th in the history of Major League Baseball, and a guy messed up a call. I don't think I would have acted that way. And I called myself a man of faith when I played. I don't think I would have done the same thing that he did. But he realized something that was bigger than baseball, okay? Uh, this, um, so let's look at purpose for just a second, and then I'll tell you another little story. But in baseball, our purpose... It's to overcome failure each game, each practice, each rip, okay, each pitch, each swing, whatever it is. In our walk with Christ, we need to overcome our sin every single day. And a lot of times that sin is not just every single day, but it's every hour, okay. And some of you all, I don't know your faith, okay. But if you walk with Christ, you know that you're going to mess it up more times than you're going to get it right. And that's why I think that connection with baseball and my faith is such a strong one. It's because it's the same experience. It's just in a different context, okay? This guy right here, I want to I show this video. Amber and I were on a cruise almost 11 years ago now. And we met a family. If you've ever been on a cruise, you know that they just throw you in a seat at dinner with a bunch of random people that you don't know if you're on a smaller group. And you just get to know them. Well, we got to know this family. And they were from the suburban Atlanta area. They had two young guys, uh, two young boys I think one of them was a freshman in high school. The other one was in elementary school, like fifth grade or something. They were the most respectful kids. The dad had been in the Navy. He was like a fighter pilot in the Navy. He had been drafted. He was a huge guy, like 6'4". I mean, just a monster of a guy. Um, and they were just like cool. And the kids were big. 
This guy just last year actually made his major league debut with the Tampa Bay Rays. His first game was in Kansas City. Um, his brother was drafted the same year he was by the same team, which is cool. He was a 13th round draft pick out of Mississippi State. He also went to three schools in college too, so we kind of got that thing going. But <laughs> he went to a D1, a JUCO, and an SEC D1, and that wasn't how it worked out for me, right? He got drafted in the 13th round. His brother got drafted out of high school in the first round. He was the first overall draft pick for the Rays, I think it was 2016. So he made his major league debut. This right here, I think, tells you a lot about perspective. And as baseball players, it's bigger than baseball for you, okay? I'm going to tell a story again in just a minute on top of that of what we, I observed with you all Saturday. I was watching your BP Saturday. I don't know if anybody paid any attention. I usually didn't. I was just taking care of business. But I want to tell you a story about that. But before, I want you to see, this is his, so his, his preparation every single day starts before he gets to the field, okay? If you want to be successful, that's where yours has to start too. So let's watch this. Maybe. There we go. I pray a lot on the way to the field. Um, just to be the right person to, to all people, you know? Because, like, there's got to be a why. And, um, you, you know, it doesn't, doesn't always necessarily show the way I want it to show. But, you know, if, if, you, if you get to the field or whatever, and, you know, you roll in late, you roll in not ready to go, you roll in looking like a mess or something's wrong, you know, people take note of that and then all of a sudden they forget it. But if you roll into the field ready to go every day, you know, put together, you literally have what you want right here playing this game, you know, it, it's, people will remember that. You know, 30 years down the road, people don't say, wow, well, you know, he hit that one homer in A ball, but they see you somehow they're like hey I remember what kind of person that guy was you know a lot of times on the way to the field I just think about how I want to be the best me that I can be every day it sounds a lot heavier when I say it like it sounds all emotional and all like gooey and stuff like that but you know like showing up to the field and being positive about what's going to go on that day that's where it starts To me, that's powerful because it was bigger than just baseball with him. You know, when he gets in the car, when he wakes up in the morning, it's more than about what am I going to do on the field today. It's who can I impact? What's my perspective going to be? Who, so last year he had seven home runs, I think 19 RBIs in his first season. Uh, he played with the Durham Bulls most of the year and then went up back and forth. And you think about that, like when you make it to the show, that's the pinnacle. It has to be one of the worst feelings in the world to get sent back down, you know. And he's still every day. He was right there. This year he's coming to spring training. He lost 25 pounds to try to win a starting job with their team after they upgraded in the positions that he plays. You know, like that's perspective. That's what it's about. Um, so it's bigger than baseball. So Saturday, we, we came and uh, watched you all after we had tryouts. My son's eight, okay? Um, and he, likes, he loves baseball. He just wants to play. Now he wants to play all the time. I'm not the dad that yells at him and screams at him and forces him to play because I had my chance. I want him to have his chance. And I told him, whatever you want to do, I'm going to support you as long as you do it the right way. And a couple of years ago, I guess last year, really, he kind of, it clicked and he wanted to start playing a lot. And so, hey, let's play. I'm going to give him every opportunity I can. So we go to tryouts and then he comes over and I got to talk to Gary a little bit, talk to Coach Hamilton just for a few minutes. Uh, and while we were there, he was watching BP. Some of y'all are taking hacks. Um, and, you know, you got to have a purpose when you're taking batting practice. 
And when you're a defensive guy, you have a purpose. When you're fielding ground balls or fly balls in batting practice, you're working on your reads, okay? You're working on your hands. You're trying to make sure your footwork's right where it's supposed to be. Uh, the pitchers are doing their job, okay, uh, which is shagging fly balls, right? That's not a bad thing either. Don't get me wrong. You ever go to the show and watch them shag fly balls? Like John Smoltz, you may have heard of him. He was probably the best, they said. Andrew Jones was a gold glover, and they said John Smoltz would give him a run for his money shagging fly balls out there, okay? Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, Mariano Rivera, who's in the Hall of Fame, right? He was good at it. So that's, that's a cool thing. keeps you in shape, gets your work in, but also... So we're out there watching. Well, uh, DeMarco. DeMar- I didn't know DeMarco. I had no idea. I met DeMarco. I actually just talked to him a minute ago, okay? So DeMarco's in there getting swings in, and Hucky's like, Dad, look at him. I'm like, yeah, it's a good-looking swing. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I want his autograph. I'm like, Okay, so I told DeMarco that I'll, I told Hucky I'll get DeMarco's autograph um, because we got to see him. But see, DeMarco was in there doing his work, just like most of you guys were doing. You were in there in the cage with a purpose doing your work. And I was, to me, that was impressive because my eight-year-old was watching you all prepare for a game, and he learned something. Because when Dad says it, it means something. But when somebody else does it, it's a bigger picture, right? Now, I want to make sure that I clear this up. He also wants Gary's autograph, too. Okay, so DeMarco, don't, you know, make sure you take that one with a grain of salt there, okay? He wants Gary's autograph also, but, you know, it was big to me that 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 happened. So it's bigger than baseball, but it's bigger than just impacting kids at a field. Some of y'all probably been to a major league game where a guy didn't sign an autograph for you, and you're like, I hate him now. I mean, I have, right? Or he didn't throw you a ball, and you're like, punk? You know, we were in Atlanta this summer, and Hucky's like, why didn't you throw me the ball? I hate him. I'm like, man, listen... There's like 7,000 people over here yelling at him, you know, and some lady just got hit in the head with a fly ball. Like, she did too, actually, straight off the bat. It was pretty nasty. We were in deep right center. Like, I really was scared she was hurt bad. But he was mad at people. He's like, I hate him. I was like, no, don't hate him. It's cool, you know, like, but your impact is big. It's bigger than baseball. It's bigger than just the kids because I want you to see this. In Mark chapter 8, this is in the New Testament, and Mark was an apostle of Paul. He was speaking here, and he said, What is it good for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? See, for me, it was bigger than baseball when I was playing. I had the opportunity to showcase my faith in Christ while I was playing baseball. And you can see it. It's obvious. And we can say that we're walking, and I'm talking to myself too, but our actions and our attitudes and our behavior are so different. When I was on the field, I had to show it. Okay, That's why I told you about Armando Galarraga. He showed it. He had the opportunity to blast Jim Joyce. He took it like a man, okay, first of all, and he also took it gracefully. So when you're thinking about the game of baseball, is it worth your entire soul for the behavior that you're exhibiting? It's bigger, okay? That's also repeated in Matthew. Matthew was another apostle of of Jesus, okay, a disciple. So Matthew and Mark both noticed and both recorded it that what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Okay? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What can you give? That tells us that our souls are worth more than anything in this world. To me, I wanted to be, I mean, I grew up wanting to be a major league baseball player. That's my goal. Little did I know that from the minute I threw the first ball, I didn't have any chance whatsoever to make it to the show. Like if they went on strike and they brought in the replacement players and they went on strike and they brought in the next wave, I still wasn't going to make it. Y'all don't know, you don't remember strike. Then it's 94, wasn't it? Okay, so they actually quit baseball one year because they got in an argument about money and all that cool stuff. 
Is it worth our entire soul for the behavior that we exhibit? It's bigger than baseball, right? It's bigger than the game that's on the field. Okay, it's bigger than the education that you all are getting because you're getting to play a game. Some of you are going to school for free. You don't pay a penny to come here, and you're eating, you're living in a dorm, you're playing the game that you love for nothing. It doesn't cost you anything. But it's bigger than that. It's bigger than the kids that are watching in the stands, okay? It's bigger than the other team that you're against that you want to beat, okay? It's bigger than the coaching staff. That's, it's bigger than that because what is it worth to our soul? The last verse that I want to put up here is a lot about what I want really you to get. He must become greater. He, being Jesus Christ, he must become greater and I must become less. That's a key in baseball, isn't it? Is it about any individual person on the team? Because we all get a job. A lineup card pops up. You've got to go out there when it's your turn. I don't care what the guy's doing, okay? If he's the top dog in the conference, the nation, or he's going to get drafted, okay? I don't care what he's doing, if he's dealing or not. You've got to go out there. You've got to put the bat in your hand. You've got to get in the box, and you've got to do something. Okay, but so do eight other guys in the lineup, and the pitcher's got to do his work. Everybody's got their job. Okay, so he must become greater. Just like in baseball, it's a, it's a group work. It's the same thing in, in, in your walk with Christ. Okay, at our church, we, we want to serve other people. Like, that's our main goal. And I didn't know that a lot. I mean, I always felt like I was a good person, but I always want, I never knew to like, it was not about me, it's about other people. What can I do to help somebody today? What can I do to make somebody's load a little bit lighter? Like I see kids every day that come in my classroom and I have no idea what they walk in, the baggage they walk in. If it's a broken home, there's drugs being used in their home. I had one just last two weeks ago. Parent got arrested the morning of school. That child probably didn't learn anything that day. I had a kid come to me one morning, my first or second year teaching, and I'm so specific that year because I'm like, you know, i got to do everything right. They're watching over me. And he has a candy bar, first period, 8 o'clock in the morning. He said, Mr. Collins, can I eat this in class? And me being the guy, I was like, if he brings one, you know, the 20 other kids are going to bring their candy bars, and then we just got a circus in seventh grade. But then I was like, wait a minute. And something came over me. I was like, this kid needs this. Like, he didn't have breakfast at home. And he didn't have a means to get breakfast at home. So I was just like, all right. I said, you go down to the office conference room, just sit in there, eat your candy bar, get you a water, okay? Just take your time. When you get finished, come back to class. He would have done anything in the world I asked him to after that because it was bigger than school to him now, okay? It was bigger than that. I had an opportunity to see that he had a need that was much bigger than what I could have imagined. See, I grew up in a great home. We weren't overly wealthy, but I never, ever went without food or wondered where it was going to come from the next time. We had a roof over our head. I got a new car. wasn't new. But I got a car when I was turned 16. I pulled in the driveway after football practice, and I saw a red car. I was like, my buddy Jeremy's here. That's awesome. We're going to hang out, you know, shoot some basketball or whatever. And I looked, and I was like, that's not a Ford Mustang. And it was a Pontiac Sunfire. And I went to the front of it and didn't have a bumper. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I got a car. It didn't, you couldn't start it because it didn't have a radiator, an air conditioner condenser, didn't have headlights. And Dad's like, got you a car. I'm like, I love it. It was a project. Those are memories we can't, like we'd worked on that. The airbags were blown out. <laughs> like, no kidding. You could open the steering wheel 
and see the metal insert that held the steering wheel in place. You could see the, the airbag on the, the passenger side. You could lift it up. Like if I wanted to store stuff, I had an extra glove compartment. It was so cool, you know? I was so excited. I never lived the life of, I need this candy bar because I can't make it to lunch if I don't get it. It's bigger than that. So what you see is bigger than that. There's, you all are sitting here, and it's bigger than that. You all have got burdens inside your heart that you're carrying into this building tonight. And you don't know what's going to happen next. It may be, where am I going to go to school next year? I don't know. I have no idea what everybody's circumstance in this room is. I was there. I was there when I was in the junior college. I didn't know where I was going to go to school next semester. I didn't know on July the 23rd when classes started in the first, second week of August where I was going to school. So I went home that afternoon. That was stressful to me. I had to wear that. You all have to wear stuff. The kids have to wear stuff. But the people outside the fences are wearing stuff too, and they're watching you. And if you handle it the way you're supposed to handle it, it motivates them to handle it the way they're supposed to. Because you see, we just started a baseball facility, my wife and I did. And it's, it's been a dream for a long time, and God's just put stuff right into place. And Saturday afternoon, we left the field after watching you all and I didn't say a word to my son. We're cleaning and straightening stuff up. And he gets in the batting cage and gets the tee and gets a bucket of baseballs and just starts hitting. The first time I've ever gone to an organized area like that where he just started doing it without me saying, hey, you got to get in and get some hacks in. you got to work hard. He'll go in the yard and throw it up all day and hit it. He'll throw it against the house. You'll hear it banging the side of the house. But he got in there, but he saw what you all were doing which motivated him to do the same thing. See, it's bigger than that. But it's even bigger than that with us because they also see our walk with Christ. See, in baseball, we practice every day with the hope of perfection, right? I, want to be, I mean, I did. Every day I went to the cage by myself, I wanted to be perfect. Today, I'm going to go four for four, first game. Second game, I'm going to go four for four again, right? I'm going to steal a couple bags. I'm going to hit the ball in the gap a couple times. I'm going to get my legs going, try to get some double, make some plays. Like that was my goal every single day. I wanted to be perfect. Though I failed often, and often our mistakes happened by the day, the game, the inning, or even by the pitch. See, even though I knew those things were going to happen, I wanted to be perfect every time. See, the same thing happens in our walk with Christ. We strive for perfection every single day. But every single day we fail. It doesn't matter. And I promise you that's going to happen. That doesn't mean you're horrible. That doesn't mean that you're not with God. That just means that you're human. The only one human that ever walked this earth was Jesus Christ that was perfect. He died a death for us on the cross. He rose the third day. And now we're here talking about him. And that's why, so that's what we call grace. That's the grace that was shown by Galarraga when he threw what should have been a perfect game and didn't get it. His name's not in the history book, okay? We're going to see that. So what's our purpose behind all that? It's bigger than baseball. What's our purpose? Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians, or sorry, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26, it says, So I run with purpose in every step. If you're not doing something with purpose every step that you take, you're wasting your time and you're wasting your talent and you're wasting your God-given opportunity. God gave you the ability to throw a ball or to catch it or to hit it or to do all the above. Some of you guys can run, okay? Um, some of you guys are big, strong guys that we get in the bench clear and brawl. You're the first man out there, and you're going to take care of the entire team for everybody else. So the guys like me that are scrawny behind can stand there and act like we're going to fight. 
somebody in here is like that besides I'm not the only guy in here that's like head on a swivel guy, you know? Everybody's got a purpose. God gave you something. He gave you a platform. Today you're in Pikeville, Kentucky, playing college baseball with a platform to impact other kids for the better. Okay, what are we going to do with it? If you know Christ today, I challenge you to get closer. Every single day. It's just like baseball. I got to get better every day. It's so fun. It's a driven thing. Every day I got to do it. If you don't, I want you to, I want you to listen to this. In 2 Corinthians 5, chapter, or chapter 5, verse 17, it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Y'all came from a high school. Some of you transferred from a college. Some of you left on terms they didn't want to leave on. Some of you came into a new situation. And what was it the first day on campus, first practice, I've got a new what? A new opportunity, a new start, right? When you give your life to Christ, you have a new start. It doesn't matter what you did before. That's the awesome thing about it. It doesn't matter what I did before. All that's washed away. I got a new opportunity to go forward. It didn't matter what you did at your last school. Okay, now obviously your stats are important and, and your ability is important. But if you had beef with somebody on the team or the coach, it doesn't matter anymore, does it? Because this is a new beginning. Okay? That's what today I want you to see. It is bigger than baseball. Your brotherhood that you're connecting is bigger than baseball. The friendships that you have now are bigger than baseball. The guys that you're going to text in 15 years that are working in accounting like Rudy is in Michigan or like Debo is in Washington, D.C. working for the FBI. When you text those guys and you talk to them, like your buddy that lives right down the road who does your taxes every year, those relationships are bigger than baseball. But the most important relationship, bigger than baseball, you can ever be part of is the one with Jesus Christ. And if you don't know that, I challenge you today to try to commit to that. Okay? If you don't have it, I'd love to talk to you about it. Jared would love to talk to you about it. There's people in the room that love to talk to you about it. You may have teammates that would talk to you about it. Okay, just like in the movie Major League. Right? Pastor, they called him, right? We got a pastor in here too, don't we? That's you. I see your name in the box score a lot. That's great. Keep it up. But we want to help you. We want to get you there. If you don't have a church that you go to, come visit us. No strings. You don't have to be perfect. We're not perfect here. I promise you that. We are absolutely not perfect here. Okay? But we serve a God that gives us the ability that through our imperfections that we can still have a relationship with him. Okay? Uh, if you would, let's bow our heads and we'll close out here. Okay? Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. We thank you for all the guys um, on this baseball team. We thank you for their coaching staff. We thank you for what you've given them talent-wise and ability-wise. Um, Lord, we pray, pray that you'll, you'll let them have a great season, that you'll give them the drive that they need to have um, to improve every single day. Um, but, Lord, we pray that you'll allow them to see that it is bigger than the game that they're playing, the platform that they're on. Um, if they don't know you today, God, we pray that they'll give their hearts to you before it's too late. If they do, we pray that they'll grow closer, just like the rest of us want to. Most of all, Lord, we pray that you'll protect them, you'll watch over them, help them have a safe rest of their season. Um, be with them and bless them, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're good, guys. If you want food, there's to-go boxes out there. I know it's spring break and the cafeteria's closed. 
load up anything and everything that you want and take it with you when you leave. Drinks, if you want drinks, take those. I used to take like a dozen cookies from the calf every time I went. And they were usually gone by the time I got back. When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own. When brokenness and pain is all I know. I won't be shaken. No, I won't.